Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have to study your word. It is your will for us not to walk in ignorance, but to know the things of your kingdom in which we live. We trust you to teach us and to open our eyes of understanding to help us to understand these very simple spiritual truths so that our life will be exactly what you want it to be. And then our joy will be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we are still focusing on our theme for the year. Uh, today we are looking at the basic living in the spirit through faith. I've titled it Spirit Life 101 because people are struggling with this. And then um, we are speaking to audiences outside our normal uh, parameters. So there are a lot of people who are getting to hear some of these things and need more clarification. And so we should be dwelling on this as long as the Lord leads us to do that. Because the important thing is that people understand the life in the spirit because this is the key thing. This is the most important thing. Now, in our introduction, we say the new man the new nature, the new life, the life in the spirit or the spirit life, it's all describing the Christian who has received Jesus into his life. He's a new man, has become a new man, he has a new nature, he has a new life, he has the life of the spirit, that spirit life. is describing all of this that has happened to him. And our Lord Jesus defined his uh, mission and contrast that, contrast that with the devil's mission on earth. In John 10, 10, he said, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy, and um, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it, have it more abundantly. So you see our Lord Jesus defining for us what his mission and very distinctly contrast that with what the enemy does, with what the devil does. So it's easy for us to know what Jesus came to do and what the devil comes to do. So Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. So anything that gives life is him. But he told us that the thief comes to the devil, comes to steal and kill and to destroy so anything that kills, destroys, steals, it's not Jesus. <clears throat> it's not him. It's the enemy that steals your heart, kills people, destroys life, destroys economy. It is him. That is his ministry. He is evil, the evil one. But life is what Jesus said I came to give. And before I go forward, I want to make a very, a, a very important comment here. We must be clear on this point. If we're not clear on this point, we're going to get the enemy confused us. And then we accept what he's doing and think it's God doing it. He wants to put sickness on you. He will convince you it is God's will to teach you something. There's nothing to teach you from God through sickness. God teaches us by his word. He builds us up by his word, not by sicknesses, not by depriving you of the good things he died for you to have. 
He became a cause for us so we can be blessed and the same God turns around and makes your life miserable. So if you don't, if you're not clear on this, the enemy is going to deceive you to accept what he's doing and you think he's God. And if you accept it, it will kill, it will destroy, it will steal from you. And that's not what God wants from us. And number two is that it is not in your interest and I want everybody to listen to this. It is not your, in your interest to attribute what the Holy Spirit is doing to Satan. It is not in your interest to attribute what Satan is doing to God. That is blasphemy. And it was the our Lord Jesus has said it is called blasphemy. And it has unpleasant consequences. I know that people do these things and they think something to do lightly. You don't do that lightly. Not if you have read what Jesus said about it. Look at in Matthew 12, 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, what did they hear? That Jesus was casting out demons. So when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow did not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devil. So they attributed what the kingdom of God was doing to demonic spirits. And Jesus said, if I, by the spirit of God, cast out demons, then the kingdom of God is here. He said, no, this is the work of the kingdom. I'm here expelling this killer, this destroyer, this thief, this liar. So your life will be good. And then they said, no, it is the devil doing that. They're ascribing what God is doing to the devil. And so you can't ascribe what God is doing to the devil and ascribe what the devil is doing to God. So Jesus says something in verse 31 of the same Matthew 12. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. In verse 32. Wherefore, and whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it will not be forgiven him. Neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Which means the consequences will catch up with you. It will catch up with you. Not that your sins will not be forgiven, but that these things have consequences that you may not be able to escape when you are blaspheming the name of God. So we should be careful what we talk about. Very, very careful. And don't join crowds who do these things because they don't understand all of these things. So Jesus said he came so that we have life. This is what the new life in us, what he produces, looks like. Jesus produces that. It is the new life we have. This is the characteristics. This is what it looks like in Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So you see, it's not what we produce. It's what he produces. That's why we keep emphasizing on believing and trusting in what Christ does. You can't duplicate this thing. You can't legislate yourself into this thing. If it's not him, it's not possible. That's why Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So this is what he's producing. This kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And we need to understand that our own love does not last. 
Our love lasts as long as the person we love is good to us. The very day we find out they've done something we don't like, that love is dead. That's why we have a lot of married issues because, you know, initially these were people, they were feeding each other, they were showering together, they couldn't do without each other's presence. Many years down the line, they're fighting like catamounts. The love is gone. The love is dead. You know, human love is not worth much. The same thing with our patience, it doesn't last too long. We can be patient if there is anything in need for us. If we are motivated basically by selfishness. If there's anything in need for us, we can hang out there because of what we're getting. But if there is nothing there sacrificial, we are gone in a minute. Because we think, well, I have nothing to lose. So all our things we do naturally, they all have very, very serious limitations. But the things that the Spirit of God produces can last long and stand challenges, and it is done without something in reward. It is selflessly given out of love. For instance, I said the love of God endure it. Endure it all things. Which means even if you are doing them evil, they will still love you. And then take God for instance. For example, we, we were sinners. They didn't sin his enemies, but he loved us and came and paid the price for us sinners to become his children. To become his children. People who didn't love him, even up to now, people just blaspheme him, do all manner of things. But God still gives us rain, gives us sun, gives us children, gives us blessings. And because his love is free. And this is the, this is the distinction again between what the Holy Spirit produces and what we think we do and we think we are so good and we are so holy uh, by those kind of stuff. And those kind of things make us think, you know, I don't even need what the Holy Spirit is producing because in my eyes I'm good. Everybody thinks they're good in their eyes. But when you look at what Christ produces, it is purer, it is better, it's powerful, it's more lasting, it's more effective than whatever any man can do. So these are the things that he produces. In Philippians 1, 11, he said, may you, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. See, it's Jesus that produces these things because it is his life we received and we can't live it for him. It is his life. It's not all our life, it's his life. That is easy now, that is manifesting, that is showing forth to our lives. He says this, he produces this life, Christ himself. For this we bring much glory and praise to God. And so, in the New Testament, you find expansions of this fruit of the Spirit. It is expanded, taught, and, and they made clearer so that the Christian will understand the parameters of it, what is the fruit of the Spirit, what is the works of the flesh. It is so expanded. Every writing that the Holy Spirit gave the church, you'll find expanded versions of this fruit of It's not only in Galatians 22. You find it, you find it virtually in every book of the Bible of the New Testament, what this, what this character looks like in a very detailed form. So we cannot miss it. Now, what will make a Christian live differently from his former way of life to transit to this spirit life? To begin to live this new spirit life. Let's take a look at living by our natural self, by our nature. What? is of natural origin, not spiritual origin. 
what we were born with, what who naturally we are, uh, our DNA produces that. Our DNA produces that. Just like Christ produces the fruit of the Spirit, our natural DNA produces the natural life that we have. And so, we have always lived by our nature. We have always behaved by what is in our natural DNA. Because our DNA makes us act the way we do. People know us by that. We have lived this way since we were born. So we say he's acting out his nature. Well, it turns out our natural our nature is totally godless. Because there's no God in it. This is sourced from the natural. But remember, God is a spirit. So this is coming from the natural. God is not in it at all. So it is kind of in opposite direction with the character of God. So it, it, it comes natural. You know, you don't teach anybody to do evil. Because it comes standard. It comes natural. It's native to us. Doing evil is native to, to man. You don't teach children to do evil. They, they do mischievous things. Even, even when a baby is sucking breath, sometimes it bites them up. So you don't really teach anybody to do evil. And what you teach people to do is to do good because it doesn't come natural to do good. And sometimes we apply discipline because it doesn't come natural. It doesn't really come natural. It's not our natural DNA to do good. Even though we can do some good things here and there, but basically our DNA does evil easily. You don't need faith for that. You don't even need laws for us to do evil because that's the natural thing of a man. You think of the wars that have been fought. You think of the greed all over the world. You think of all over the place. See what's going on. Man see humanity to man. Think of slavery. You don't teach people to do evil because it's natural. And so when God gave us the law, when God gave the law, he simply gave the law to reveal to mankind that he doesn't have the nature of God. That his nature is sourced from his natural being. There's no spiritual input in it. It's from this earth. And so when a man dies, they put him in the grave and say, earth to earth, dust to dust. That one goes away. And so God gave the law to man to prove, to show man, that he can live the, the, the life of God because he doesn't have the nature of God. I want you to think mostly about nature this evening. Nature this evening. The new nature we have, the, new, the old nature we have as a human being and the new spiritual nature that Jesus gave us. This one is produced by the DNA, DNA, natural DNA we have. This one is produced by the spirit of Christ that is in us. Now, when God gave man the law, is to show him that his nature is evil and he cannot obey God's laws. Because he doesn't have the nature to obey them. He has the nature to disobey them. He doesn't have the nature to obey them. So God gave the law to reveal to us that we don't have the nature to walk in the holy life of God, in the holy laws of God. Because the Bible said the law is holy. And so look at, look at Romans 3.20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. That's absolutely true. Why? Because we don't have the nature that obeys God. The Bible said the natural man does not obey God does not obey God, does not understand the things of God, walks contrary to God all the time. Look at the society everywhere and you see that this is absolutely true. He said the law simply shows us how sinful we are, shows us how 
naturally, we don't have the nature of God. Remember that you act according to nature. When you act in your natural life, it's your DNA producing that. You can't act like an animal because you don't have their DNA. And so God is saying, you don't have my DNA, and so you cannot live my life. You cannot live the life that God expects us to live. You only live the natural life. And because the Lord is holy, like I said, is revealing this very, very uh, important thing for us to understand. Now, if, if you start acting out of nature, you become a hypocrite. You become a square pig in a round hole. It results in hypocrisy. Romans 8.3 says the Lord of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. The Lord of Moses was unable to save man because he, by nature he doesn't obey those laws. He can't obey them. He just revealed that we have the sinful nature. So if you give a man a law to obey, when it is out of his nature, it's like putting a square peg in a round hole. What you are going to produce is a funny kind of human being. He's going to behave totally out of his nature. And he produces hypocrisy because he can't do that. It's not in his DNA. He becomes a hypocrite. Remember, the Pharisees were so, so strong on the law. But what did he produce? Jesus said, you are hypocrites. Inside you are full of dead men's bones, but you act outside like you're good. You see, because he's telling them your nature is evil inside. So you can't, can't, can't obey God. It's not in your nature to obey God. So when a man relies, thinks the, the law will make him please God, what he's trying to do is to act out of his evil nature. And that would be hypocrisy. That's why the things like that is described as wolves in sheep's clothing. Outside they act good, but inside they are wolves, ravening wolves, because by nature, man is evil. You see why the Bible says that law cannot make anything perfect. And the Bible says what the law could not do itself is what God did. So the only way to avoid hypocrisy, it requires being you, being real. Put, don't put up a front. So Man is just naturally evil. So he can only be evil. Anything else makes him put up a front, something unnatural, something he's not like. And it produces friction all for him, confusion all over the place. You know, so, so what happened is that what the law could not do in that man's nature is evil, God now came and did by sending his son. Jesus Christ in the nature lived with us. The Bible called it in the days of his flesh. When he was here living, he became man and lived among, among us. But remember that when he died and rose, he was no more a man because he could walk through, through walls. Walk, when doors are closed, he could walk in there. Mere human beings don't walk in through a building when the doors are closed. He reverted to his spiritual form that he gave up to come and become a man because as that spiritual form, he couldn't die. So now in his spirit form, he comes to live in us as we receive Christ into our life. And he brings us that spirit life, that nature that he has. That nature that he has. That life that he has. So that we can now, we can now do the, the will of God from the new nature 
we have the new DNA that we have. And the only way you can, somebody can have your DNA is by birth. Is by birth. Is by birth. So when you have a, a child, your DNA is in that child, and then the child begins to act like you, talk like you. They say, wow, he talks like the father, or it's like the mom. Oh, it's, so they sometimes see you know, husband and wife begin to say, no, it's like me. So it's, because their DNA is in that child. And so God did the same thing by giving us his DNA to, through Jesus, who is God, who has his life. When we receive Jesus into our life, we receive God's DNA, spiritual DNA, not natural DNA. We receive the spirit life. We receive the spirit life. Remember that the previous life, the natural life, had no God imputing it. And so that was why the natural man cannot obey God. Because he doesn't have that nature to act like God. But now God gave us his nature. So we cannot act like God. Cannot act like God. Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, if so be, that the spirit of God dwell in you. If the spirit of God dwell in you, you are no, you are no, more, you are no more left with only the carnal aspect of your life. You are, you are now in the spirit. You have the spirit life. You have the spirit life. Part of you is now become a spirit being. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Because he doesn't have the spirit of Christ. He doesn't have the DNA of God. He doesn't have the nature of God. So he can't obey God. Can't, can't agree with God. Can't walk with God. And doesn't belong to him. So he created us in Christ Jesus. The scripture put it this way. That he created us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Remember that before we had this new nature, we couldn't do these good things. Because the natural man does not obey God. I mean, look, the society you live in, we tell you these things. They tell you these things. It's easy for them to discount God and do whatever they want to do. Tell you, even in churches, you find a lot of denominations who really don't have too much respect for God. So it's, it's easy. I mean, this is the natural man. So, 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 so he says, for we, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. He gave us new nature. Because we now have that new nature, we can now do the things, good things he planned for us long time, which we couldn't do before he gave us this new nature. And remember, it is this new nature, this new DNA, spiritual DNA, that makes us now behave like God, just like the natural DNA makes you behave like a man. This, natural, this spiritual DNA makes you behave like God. And you, it, it's not the laws that make you behave like God. It's what is inside of you. It's that spirit of God that produces this thing. It is Christ, the DNA you have that produces this thing. Just like the DNA you had from your mother and your father produced your, your character and, the, and people knew you by those things. You know. So it's, it, look at Ephesians 4.24. Put on your new nature. See what he's saying? I want you to think nature. Don't think laws. Please don't. Because you need to understand this. When you understand this, you can get healed easily. I'm telling you, you, you walk in all the blessings of God very easily. There's no stress in this thing. There's no stress in this thing. At all. No, no stress at all. Okay, so it says in Ephesians 4.24, put on your new nature. 
created to be like God. You see, now you have the nature of God. By receiving Christ who is God, you have the nature of God. It says truly righteous and holy. So when the scripture says, calls the, the Christians holy, he's referring to this new nature that they have. That these people are holy people, righteous people. So the Christian faith makes it possible to transit from the natural life that couldn't obey God to the new one that easily obeys God. You do know that the things you do by nature, you don't need effort to do them. They come standard. You don't need laws to do them. They come standard. That's why the Bible says those who are led by the Spirit are no more under the law. When you come under the Spirit, he will teach you these things. So you are no more under the law. I'm a man. I, I don't behave like a man by any law at all. I don't need a law to be. I'm right-handed. I don't need any law to be right-handed because it comes easy and standard for me to be right-handed. I don't need any law to be right-handed at all because that's what, that's what I am from, from birth. Those who are left-handed, they don't need anything. It's just natural. I walk naturally, naturally. I don't need any laws to make me walk. And so that's what it's, it's all about. When you understand these things, you know that you have the nature that can naturally behave like God. Without any, it doesn't need any do's and don'ts to do that. It, 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 the Spirit of God is producing this life and is manifesting in you because of your new nature that you have. And so the Christian faith makes it possible to manifest this new nature and nothing else. So let me illustrate this because this is where a lot of people have problems. Let me illustrate it with my own experience. My first car that I bought in Kaduna when I was doing my internship as a pharmacist at um, Amadubelo University in Hospital where I did my internship. I bought a car, Peugeot car, from Peugeot to Marble in Kaduna, air-conditioned car, my first car, after laboring in the university, sweating. I, I, I was so happy that I finally was able to own a car. Uh, but I, had, I was living in a, in a house with a garage, so I parked my car, my new car, in my garage. In the morning, when I woke up to go to work in ABU, because I, got, I was used to getting up and taking public transport because I didn't have a car, to my job, at ABU, and I was used to taking public transport, all my friends with all these people doing internship, all the intent doctors and who were classmates and friends. So they would drop me off sometimes, but I was used to taking public transport. So when I woke up, first morning after I bought my car, I dressed up and left my house and was walking to go and take a taxi or whatever to job, to my job. I forgot, didn't even remember I bought a car. I had walked some distance when I said, wait a minute. I bought a car, so what am I doing? So I had to walk back to my house, picked my key, got into the car, sat comfortably, put the AC on, and drove to my job. But if I didn't remember, if I didn't believe I had a car, even though it's parked there, I'll be taking public transport and sweating and doing all of that when there was a comfortable means to take me to my job and bring me back. When I left that morning, I was still seeing myself as I used to be. And because of that, that mindset made me leave the house, made me walk on the street, made me, made me go distance to look for public transport before I changed my mindset to say, wait a minute, the circumstance had changed. 
I now have something better. Let me deploy that. And I went and got into my car, and it was really air-conditioned. And you can imagine Kaduna as hot as it could be, how comforting air-conditioned car would be. And so that was what, what happened. And my life was better, easy, could go to my job, pack my car, get into the pharmacy, get off my job, and go home when I needed. Now, difficulty in changing is like that. We have lived all our lives by sight. What I mean by that is, the only way we have validated facts and what we believe as true has always been by our natural senses, by what we see, by what we feel, by what we smell, stories they tell you, or oh, she says something, you believe them. You believe them instantly. Somebody said the only wicked people tell gossips and idiots believe them. That's the way we've been wired. Even Christians up to today, once they hear something, they believe it. They don't even have the, the, the patience to find out if this is true. That will tell you how we are so ingrained with walking by what we hear and what we see and what, you know, we just, we're just so ingrained in us from childhood. And so, and then we came up with this, we came up with this uh, idea of seeing is believing. We've lived like this for, since we were born. For years, seeing is believing, you know, it's been the principle by which we have lived our lives all over the world. And so here comes one of our brothers. He's called Thomas. Thomas was a disciple of Jesus who also had this ingrained in him. And here he says, John 20, 25, when Jesus rose from the dead, the other disciple therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands, the prince of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Because this is our natural, we have all of us, including me, we have lived this way for years and the white man says, old habit dies hard. That old habits don't die easily. They don't die easily. So you came to Christ after 20 something years of this practice, some 15 years, some 40 years. So, like Thomas, we have always resorted to that, even inadvertently, even unconsciously, except I see, I will not believe. This is where many major struggles, many people struggle. Very good, very well intended Christians serving the Lord. But they're not experiencing the benefits of their salvation, the works that Christ has done for us. They're still living the natural life, they're not experiencing victories, prayers not really answered, a lot of confusion, a lot of things they need to be explained. They just keep going on. A lot of good Christians, wonderful people. But this is the problem. And the enemy of our souls will fight hard to keep you thinking like that. Thinking like that. My brothers and sisters in the Lord and everybody hearing me, this will deprive you of seeing the benefits of your salvation. As long as you think like I was thinking, I had a car, but I, it wasn't even in my mind. It wasn't even in my mind. My old way of life. 
was what in my mind. And that controlled what I did. But when I changed, I said, no, I have, it. I have something new. That changed what I did. So a new way of validating things is introduced to us when we come to Christ. Because God is a spirit. The new life we have is of, of the spirit too. It's not a physical thing, so it cannot be seen physically as it all happened when Jesus came into your life. You didn't see that. So it presents a difficulty for a lot of people. If we saw Jesus come like you're on the surgery and they open you up and do this, you say, yeah, I have surgery. If we see Jesus come into your life, we can say, yeah, now I believe I have Jesus in me, I have a new life. But because we didn't see him, the old paradigm is still keeping us from believing. Even though we talk about it, sing about it, dance about it, but when the chips are down, from what we say, from what we say, and from the way we act, you find that we're still living the old life. Still living, haven't changed from before we even became, even some people have gotten worse now. Haven't changed. The same thing we are known for, I was still known for that. The same thing we are known for before we had Christ, the same natural things, tendencies, we are still known for that. 15 years after, 20 years after, 10 years after, we are still known for that. Why is, is it that there's, why is it, is the new life not true? This new life we read about that produces this beautiful character of love, patience, and things. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? So, the new life is a spiritual phenomenon and it's impossible to see with your eyes when you receive Christ, when he created you new. No, it's impossible. So, the, we are supposed to believe them before we see them. So, there's a total reversal of the way to uh, validate truth and validate realities when you come to Christ. In the natural, it's, they say seeing is believing. But when you come to Christ, it is believing that is seen. It's believing because you can't see that. So you have to believe that they exist before you can see the reality and the manifestations of them. I am telling you, many well-meaning Christians struggle here. A lot. They pray. They want to check whether God, you know, the result. And if they don't see anything, they say, oh, I thought God answered. And they lose everything. They lose everything. Every single time you pray, in faith for healing, God is faithful. His power appears to heal. But if we don't receive it by faith and keep it by faith, we lose the healing. We lose the healing. Lose the healing totally. You know, so the only way we validate realities in the Christian world, because this is a spiritual kingdom we're talking about, is to believe those things that the scripture, the scripture tells us that they are true. For instance, God says, Anybody that comes to me must believe that God is. And you go, wow. So where can I see God? God said, well, God will believe that I am. I exist. And God is a spirit. The Bible says God is a spirit. So I have to believe that God is. God says, that's it. If you come, you must believe that God is. And so in this, in this, in this new reality in which we find ourselves, we must believe the things that we do not see that they are true and believe it with all our heart. We must believe and show God that we believe it by what we do. 
the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith by their action. When Jesus saw their faith by their action. After this introductory part, by the time, I think next Thursday, by the grace of God, we go into more details about faith so we understand very well how to live and, and, and walk in faith constantly, all, of the, all the time. And so we are supposed to walk by faith, believe these things that we do not see, that they are true. Believe that you have the new life, even though you have contradictory life going on, but you have to insist continuously believe that you have this new life. You just have to. If you want to see it manifest, you've got to believe that you have this new life. I remember when the Lord made me teach here about how to overcome the devil. And he reminded me this, how to overcome the devil. I taught it on this pulpit. And I was teaching this church to the blood of Jesus, to plead the blood of Jesus over themselves. I didn't know Corona was coming. And we taught all of these things. And the Lord reminded me, say, you teach them, but would they listen? And he told me, he said, plead the blood of Jesus over this church over every Sunday, every day. Plead the blood of Jesus over every member in this church. Cover them with the blood. And I kept on doing that. And one Sunday, I said, Lord, why am I doing this? <clears throat> he said, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Don't stop. Keep doing it. And I kept doing that. And so when Corona hit, I'm like, oh my God, now I see why. Now I see why. So you, you need to continue believing. You, you can't stop. You just, it doesn't matter the contrary thing you see. You, it doesn't make the, the word of God not to be true. You need to keep believing and insisting that you have a new nature, that Christ is walking you. You are not who you used to be. You need to, if you want to see it, manifest. So look at what our Lord Jesus taught us in John 20, 29. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you had seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen. You haven't seen it manifest. You haven't seen it. You have not seen it. And yet you believe it's true. That's how the blessing works. That's how the blessing works. So believing is seeing. This is the new rule of the new life. Believing. Walking by faith. Believe it first. Then you see it. You have to see it immediately. You may not. Might take a while, but you see it finally. John 10 40. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe? That's how you see the glory of God. The new life He gave you, if you believe that you have it, you will see it. It's not by any other means, because it's a nature, it's not a legislation. It's not a legislation, brethren. It is not by human, it's a nature that God gave us when he gave us his new DNA. Matthew 21, 22. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. See, everything is governed by this believing. Believing you have it, you shall receive it. Believing you have it, you see it. Believing, 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 you see it. So think nature. Don't think about laws. Think of nature that you have this new nature of God. Believe and you see it. And then Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You see how believing comes before seeing, believing comes before receiving, not receiving before believing. Now, Hebrew 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith. That's the new way we live this Christian life. 
But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Because without faith, you can please God. If you draw back, you are casting a vote of no confidence in God, saying his word is not true, and it won't work for you. It won't work for you. So in Hebrew 4.2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. You see, it doesn't profit. You can't see the new life unless you believe. Because faith produces, faith makes you, makes you do this thing. Faith without works is dead. You know? So for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Because they're still struggling with the old paradigm way of saying things. I got to see it before I believe. And then the new paradigm says, believe it before you see it. Now, if I want to see the reality of my new nature, I do, it's not by legislation. All I need to do is to believe the truth. And then which means I have to know the truth. I have to study to know the truth. I have to study to know it. Because ignorance will make me not believe it. Look at Romans 12 too. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Seeing is believing. No. Believing is seeing. You need to transit and make it your way of approach in this kingdom of God. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. you will, what is God's will for you? You're a new creature. Jesus said, I came to give you life. When we talk of God's will, people think of laws all the time. They always think of, what well, God wants me to do this. God wants me to do that. But they forget that God's will may also include what God wants you to have. What God brought for you to enjoy. To have to have eternal life is God's will for you. To be healed is God's will for you. To prosper is God's will for you. To have victory is God's will for you. To have children is God's will for you. I mean, it can go on and on and on. But every time we talk of God, we will think of this, this religious mindset kicks in. All we are thinking about is laws to obey. Our God wants me to do this. You know, come on. God wants you to, God wants you to believe him. That's his will. <laughs> his will is for you to believe him. Then you will learn to know God's will when you start allowing God to transform your mind. You begin to see what God has provided for you, who you are in Christ, what the Spirit of God is doing. You see your authority in Christ. You see the strength you have that is oozing out, that can do all things. You understand what it means to be at rest because this nature has been provided. You don't work for it. It has been provided. You understand this God's will for you. Ephesians 4.23 says... Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. See, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And then if Romans 5, 2, says, because of our faith, not because of anything else, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. All this is because of our faith. Because we believed, then we, are, we begin to, we, we, we bring us into this undesired privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So, the key thing I was talking about is the new nature we have. The new nature we have. And the, the new way of thinking, which a lot of people struggle with. I want you to look at your life and evaluate it and see if you have really changed a lot. Because, you know, spiritual growth is to, is to grow from 
thinking naturally to thinking spiritually. That's how you grow. That's you transit from being a carnal Christian to being a spiritual Christian. And when you begin to think the way God says to think, then the spiritual life begins to show. And this carnal life begins to go down. And then John, what John said becomes reality in your life. He shall increase, but I shall decrease. Because what makes us increase is when we start thinking naturally, wanting to walk by what we see. But because we, we do these things unconsciously, it makes us increase and makes him decrease. But what makes him increase and makes us decrease is when we begin to think the way he told us to think so he can begin to renew our mind. So when we begin to cast our vote of confidence in his word and say, God, I believe your word. I believe what you said. What you said is true. You are God. You can't lie. Abraham, God said, I made you a father of many nations. He was very old. Very, the, the wife was very old. The Bible said they are past the age of having children. But what did that man do? He cast his vote on the side of God according to what God has said. The Bible says he believed against hopelessness. Against hopelessness. He didn't have a child the following day, the following week, the following month. This man stood and said, God will never lie. God cannot lie. He pleased God. That is what tells God that you really believe in him that is God. God cannot lie. Contrary to say, no, I know God. I know God. He can lie. That's a proof that you really know God, that he can lie, that God is God. You can't say I know God when you, when you very easily you, 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 you don't believe him anymore. Very, very easily. Very, it doesn't take too much for you to not to cast your vote on the side of God. You, you, you just decide, say, well, this thing doesn't work. So how can you say you really know God? God is faithful. The Bible said his word is faithful. These are faithful words. And God who cannot lie. How can I know God and not stand in what he said and say he cannot lie? I know him. His word is true. Abraham proved that he believed in God. He, he knew God by contrary things happening around him. He said, God cannot lie. He was fully persuaded that God cannot tell a lie. That what he said is true. So can we say we know Jesus when we do not understand that he gave us eternal life and what he says is true? That the life we have is from him. That he too cannot lie. That the testimony of Christ is here at the amen. That the promises are fulfilled. Can we really lay claim to knowing him when we can vouch for him and stand on whatever contrary things is happening and say, I know in whom I believe. Jesus is God. Everything he says is true. This is who he made me to be. This is my new life in him. This is his will. I'm enjoying. Are we going to think naturally now? And say, well, you know, this is not the work. I'm not seeing it work. No, you don't have to see it. You only have to believe and believe continuously. Enduring to the end. Then you wear the crown. You wear the crown. You wear the crown. Same happens when we pray. Start looking around to see whether it's working. It's not 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 working. That's not how you validate the things of God. You validate it from what he told you. If you pray, ask me. If you believe you have received it, you have it. If you believe that God can lie, that's where you peg your life and say, God has said this and that's it. 
you know. But it's not, you come here and say one thing. Tomorrow you say the other thing there. And then when they come to church and say, yeah, let's believe God. Say, yeah, God cannot lie. You're just saying it because of the people around that it has uh, moved their emotions up. And then you start talking right. You start talking right. But in different circumstances, you say different things. Even in your closet, you say different things. You murmur here. You give for this testimony. They give another one here. They are not the same. How can anybody say, I know Christ who cannot vouch for him? Who cannot stand and say, yes, what he said is true. Whether in public or in private. And so, that's the way we please him. We can't deny him and please him. We can't disagree with him and walk with him. We can't disagree with him and see his glory. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So let's learn to understand that in this new life we have, that the nature we had before, when we were born, is the natural nature coming from natural DNA. DNA. The new nature we have is the spiritual one coming from God's DNA, and that all that God wants us to do is to let the Holy Spirit help us as we renew our thinking and stop insisting on seeing is believing, but switch over to believing is seeing and keep the confession of our faith to the end and then we shall see the glory of God. May the Lord help us understand this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, next week I'm going to also go for and, and look at faith and then we'll look at three aspects of faith that make sure that you really understand what it means to walk by faith. If you are sick and you can hear me, I want to pray for you. Whether you're in a hospital, whether you're in the house. If you have somebody in a hospital, I pray for him, for that person. You go tell the person that God has touched him. Because once you pray in faith, the power to heal is there. But to receive is to say, yes, it's mine, and you begin to thank God. You have a role to play. You, giving you is one thing, receiving is another. So I want to pray now, and the power of God will be present to heal you, because God is faithful. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you touch people who are sick that are hearing my voice right now because it is your will for us to be well. That's why you sent your son Jesus Christ to bear our sins. And by bearing our sins, the consequences of sin is no more upon us. Including sickness is no more upon us. That's why by his stripes we're healed and by his blood we're redeemed. Father, you redeemed us from all destructions. It's your will. And so I pray, Lord, that you stretch, stretch forth your hand of healing and heal everybody hearing me right now, whether they're in their homes, whether they're in their hospital, relations in hospital. Father, let them take this message to them that the healing power has come. Let them say, yes, Lord, I receive it. Let them receive it right now so that your name will be glorified and our joy will be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and bow with me now and forevermore. Amen. Surely his goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. See you on Sunday, 10.30 in the morning.